Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Academic Pediatrics Podcast. We are the Journal of the Academic Pediatric Association, and this podcast connects you with the authors, the editors, with important information that's going to inform your clinical, your educational, your research, and your advocacy practice. Today, we are bringing the podcast back to discuss a new anti-racism education special issue. This is just a buffet of awesome educational interventions that have the potential to foster anti-racist learning in your own clinical environments. To bring this to you, I've got Alex Corley. She's the editor of The Issue. She is in general and community pediatrics at Cincinnati Children's. Dr. Corley, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. I also have Dr. Andrea Tatum, who is a reviewer on this issue. She is a general pediatrician in the Division of Psychiatry and the Vice Chair of Diversity for the Department of Pediatrics at Eastern Virginia Medical School and works at the Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. I want to jump right into this great content. This is an issue about anti-racism education. Can we do one quick definition at the head here? What is anti-racism? Yeah, thanks, Mike. I think it's a a good place to start. I think to walk back, I think we have to define racism first, which there's a lot of definitions out there. um, But simply put, is one group's ability to have the power to be able to carry out discrimination that can function on a couple different levels, either on a like individual or personally mediated level, at the institutional or community level, or at the systematic or structural level. And you'll hear people often talk about racism in the historical context, but also contemporarily, present day, um, things taken from our everyday headlines. Um, As far as anti-racism goes, I really like how Dr. Ibram Kendi thinks about anti-racism. And he posits that because of how pernicious and ugly and interwoven racism is into our society, it's not enough for people to just say that they're not racist um, because racism gets under our skin. It's kind of baked in to every layer and level of our society. But he posits that we must all work to be anti-racist. So whether it's on that individual level, the institutional level, or structurally, thinking about how we can almost act counter to what's baked into society as far as racism goes. And I think another way of looking at it is saying that to be anti-racist is an active way of seeing and believing in the world in order to transform it. And so it is something that you have to act actively do. It's not something that is passive. You have to think about it. You have to work at it. It's not easy, but it's something that's necessary. Thank you so much, Dr. Corley and Tatum. And so since we have to be active in this space, can you tell me like what motivated this particular issue? Yeah, I think in in each of our day-to-day work and um, in my role with the journal, we hear a lot about really innovative, exciting ways that people are approaching how to deal with racism in their kind of various uh, learning environments. Um, And that's learning kind of all across the career spectrum. So we thought that it was apt to kind of pull a special issue together that really highlighted lots of different types of work. I think for many people, um, after the murders of George Floyd and others in 2020, there was kind of a awakening or reawakening to how racism functions in our society and how Black and brown people and other marginalized groups are impacted both from a health standpoint and in other ways from the multiple levels of of racism. And so we felt like thinking about kind of taking that thought process to the next 
the next level. So not just the recognition, which I think, again, our country has kind of gone through kind of an awareness campaign, if you will. But we wanted to hear more about what people were doing to to improve their educational settings. So that was some of the motivation. Dr. Tatum, what got what got you involved with this project? What got me involved is a lot of people know that this is one of the areas that I'm really passionate about. And I was asked to be a reviewer and I'm very happy that they asked me, especially being so early in my career. And it was really amazing to see what work is being done all across the country. Um, Not just in general pediatrics, but also it was really good to see that some subspecialties were getting involved and all the innovative ways that they were using to be anti-racist. So I think a lot of people listening to this are going to be educators and people that have tried educational interventions in their own settings. And we all know there's lots of challenges that can come up. I'm curious if you guys foresee specific challenges related to anti-racism education that people can kind of foresee and be ready for uh, in order to make the best of the content we're providing in this issue. I hope that the special issue really inspires people to think about how to take some examples that are provided in these 11 articles and apply them to their backyard. I think that there are examples in these articles of challenges and people can see how folks have worked around them. So for example, we have articles that have a very small in, articles that are working with a pretty small number of learners, and articles that have much bigger audiences. We have target audiences that range from medical students, residents, fellows, as well as some teachings towards seasoned faculty members who may be seasoned in their careers, but may know less about how racism operates in the medical setting. So I think that those are often challenges, right, of how do you target different learning groups? What do you do if you're just working with a small number of people? What does it look like to kind of be the person that leads a team with this. I think you can pull out some ideas from this collection of articles. So I hope people feel inspired. I think part of what we talked about in thinking about what articles that we wanted to pick was how to highlight a diversity of authors. So we have article representation from all across the country, lots of different types of institutions. um, And we we feel really proud of that as well. I think another big challenge that we have to think about is the makeup of faculty and learners in different institutions. Not every institution has many people of color or people from historically marginalized or minoritized populations. And when that happens, I want people to know that we need allies. This is not just the work of one group or another. It's the work of everybody. And so I also want people to be aware that there is a such thing as the diversity tax. Some people have called it the minority tax. They're both the same thing. It's when you place that unintentional burden on people from the marginalized and or minoritized populations in order to promote DEI efforts. Oftentimes it's done and they're not giving any time for it. They're not giving any um, rewards for it. And sometimes they're penalized because you're doing this work and it doesn't count towards promotion in most places. However, in those institutions where you don't have many minoritized and marginalized people, there is an opportunity for sponsorship. When people who are not from those backgrounds and people who are from the majority are doing this work, this is an opportunity for you to get someone who maybe didn't have the opportunity to do it and use their voices as well. And so what we don't want is for 
people to use their voices to speak for another group, highlight those voices, bring them in with you. It's an opportunity to expose them to um, research and scholarship that they may not have been able to before. There's a good mantra that I like that I think comes out of the disability community where folks say nothing about us without us. And so that's a mantra that I try to kind of keep close to my heart with my work of, am I trying to speak for groups? And, you know, instead of me trying to talk for others, who do I need to invite to the table so that folks can just tell us what they need or tell us what they want? Something that Dr. Tatum said made me also think that a challenge around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work and anti-racism work, I think is that there is so much to tackle, right? So particularly as a excited junior faculty member, you know, it, it can sometimes feel overwhelming at the number of things that feel like they are worth accomplishing and worth tackling and kind of chipping at. And I would encourage folks to, you know, think about the, as we alluded to at the beginning, the different levels that racism operates at um, and kind of start there. So instead of dismantling racism entirely, you may choose to kind of focus on a part of that. And I think these articles give us good examples about how to do that. If you look at them in aggregate, you really see, wow, if we did all 11 of these approaches at every single institution, then we would really be somewhere. But I think for starters, like really thinking um, relatively small and bite-sized and then working from there. I think there's some stuff in this issue that you could just print out and cut out and stick on your workroom board and apply tomorrow. And I think we're teasing the the details, but there's a lot of good stuff that you can apply in here. There is. Yeah. I mean, folks really tackled structural racism and racism in all of its forms um, in lots of different corners of the places that they work. Um, And it wasn't, you know, kind of just in one setting or only with residents or only with general pediatricians, folks got really creative. Um, So I think creativity has to be the tool that we're using to tackle some of the challenges. I think another one of the big things that people can take away from this is it doesn't have to be a full day event. It doesn't have to be a 90 minute workshop. There are some that are small bites that people can do in a short amount of time, but are still impactful. Well, I really appreciate you both taking the time to um, to tease this issue a little bit for our audience. I'm really looking forward to getting some audio clips of the of the authors out to everybody so they can hear the details. Dr. Corley or Tatum, is there anything else you want to add on here or make sure people take home from this segment? There is something I want to add on to this, and I want people to look at the social climate that we have going on in our country. We just put out this wonderful issue that has all of these anti-racist principles and innovative ideas and ways that people can teach this in their own institution and medical education. And we would be remiss if we talked about this without talking about the recent SCOTUS decision um, banning affirmative action, as well as some of the states that have banned DEI efforts across the country. And I have colleagues that come to me and say, how am I supposed to do this in this area when my state says that I can't do anything related to DEI? At the same time, we have our national organizations that are saying, this is a requirement for you to do in the clinical learning environment. And so it's time for some of us to get creative and find different ways to continue this work without you having to worry about 
losing your license, without you having to worry about your institution getting in trouble, because this is something that is necessary and we have to find our own way to do it. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to add is that um, we've alluded to these 11 uh, innovation articles. Um, and I really encourage folks to read the three accompanying commentaries that go along with the educational innovations as well. Um, we created two commentaries that kind of almost bookend the collection of articles. So the opening commentary is entitled Walking the Walk, Novel Medical Education Approaches to Combat Racism and really provides kind of a tee up or a setup for introducing why we created the special issue and what went into pulling these articles together. The kind of other set of the bookend uh, closes out the set of commentaries and is entitled Moving Toward Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Barriers, Consequences, and Solutions, and is really uh, pulling to light what Dr. Tatum just talked about, about the social context in which these articles sit within. And it gives us some ideas for where to move forward, uh, given some of our difficult circumstances, depending on what part of the country that you're in. And then there's a third commentary that is about uh, developing anti-racism metrics, which really helps us think about some application of this, particularly in the medical education setting. Well, I'm very happy to have had the chance to discuss this with you. I'm looking forward to people getting their hands on this issue and applying it in their own setting. I think we'd all love to hear how you are applying these. So if this is if this is impacting your institution, um, you can find us on social media and, and let us know what you're doing. And keep an eye out for the authors themselves telling a little bit more about their interventions. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you for the invite.